So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. I hope you're having a great week. I yeah, uh, I got bit, I got, I got bit by a dog this week, and I put a photo up on Instagram because I thought it was. I mean, it's a funny story that you get bit by a dog, but the reactions to a story about dog bites were. It's a controversial subject. I've realised. I didn't realise how much passion there was around the subject. It was, it was good to see how much people cared. It was. Interesting to see how much less people cared when they found out I got bit by a dog because I was riding a skateboard. They go, ah, oh, man, you're 36. Like, your skateboard days should be behind you. Maybe that's just the the universe saying it's time to walk or it's time to drive your car. I uh, It was a beautiful day. I had a We had a couple of beautiful days here this week. And so I didn't want to just get in the car and drive to where I was going because there's everything's pretty close to us here, really. I mean, you don't really need a car. If I'm completely honest, you don't really need a car to, to get where we're going. I was going to Pico, which is our local cafe, and it's a, it's probably 2K, and there's a nice there's a nice coastal path that goes along the beach. The water was still, the sun was shining, there was no wind. I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to work on my tan. I mean, I had the shirt off, uh, sorry, on, which should maintain a little a little more respect I think the temptation was there. I often run with the shirt off, which is a broad, a, a, a broad, a, what's that word? A bold move in the town that I live in because you you can't be doing obnoxious things like that in Melbourne or a big city. It's easier because not as many people know who you are. There's not as much judgment here. There's it is guaranteed that I'm going to see my friend or my friend's wife or both of them together, and they're going to go, Ty, just put a shirt on, man. Everyone knows you. But the truth is, yeah. You work hard at the gym so you can so you can have your shirt off. That's not really that's not really why. I've never been ashamed to get the shirt off though. I don't know what I've got a friend of mine who's in fantastic shape and he doesn't really like getting the shirt off. For me, any opportunity I can. That's why I found it hard to be a school teacher sometimes, because on the nice days I had to wear a shirt and tie and I thought, ah. And it'd be so much better if it wasn't if it wasn't weird. There's always a couple of uh, there's always a couple of weirdos that make it weird to to do shirts off in front of children and so I guess thanks to that particular crew the option of you know being a shirt off teacher is is looked down upon it's funny the things that look down upon I remember that school I went in and I had like an induction day it was the first day at the school and they had a photo of me my sister-in-law had put together this photo of me and it was I don't know where the photo was but I was I was sitting there and they had my photo up on the board it had my name and the the photo had had a lot of attention paid to it. My teeth were obnoxiously white. My wrinkles had been ironed out. I looked like a Barbie doll. And even one of the teachers said to me, dude, what's going on in this photo? I said, look, I just want you to know that this was edited by my sister-in-law. And I can see where she sees my biggest areas of weakness are. And it happens to be the color of my teeth and the uh, severity of my wrinkles. <laughs> so they were ironed out. It's funny what people notice. I always respect the bloke if I see him running with his shirt off, especially if he's in good shape. To be honest, though, like even if I see a bloke and he's not in that good shape, if he's got his shirt off and running with confidence, I think that's why I just like confidence. I just like confidence, whether you've got man boobs or whether you've got a good a good body. If you're rocking whatever it is that you've got with confidence, I go, you know what, a little hat tip to you. But I had my shirt on on the skateboard the other day. I heard this dog barking. I heard him growling before 
I got to where the the serious attack took place. It was a, um, I think it was a staffy. It looked like a young staffy, so it wasn't an adult dog bite. It was like he wasn't. He wasn't a six-week-old, you know, so he didn't just have those little pin teeth. He had a, he, he knew what he was doing, but he just didn't have the strength to back it up, I think. Because the truth is, you'd rather get bitten by a baby than an adult in, in any industry. And I think it's fair to say that the older a particular person gets, the stronger their bite gets. I've noticed, I've noticed now my three-year-old boy has, has quite a strong bite. Do you know, this is a true story. I was laying, my, my kid went through a little phase of, of biting and I was laying in my lounge room once. My boy must have been nine months, maybe let's call it a year because he knew what he was doing, but I don't think he knew the power of his bite just yet. And I was laying on the floor of my lounge room and I was just playing with my little boy. He was crawling around and all of that, like he bit me on the hand a little bit and then he was just climbing over me a little bit. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm not kidding, through my pants, he... He got right on the end of, um, I'm just trying to think of the nicest way to say it. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. He got me right on the end of my little, my little knob. <laughs> it, it, seems, it seems unnecessary to go into too much detail about the size of it. I don't know why I, uh, I framed that with little, but I mean, a, a lot of us know each other. And so maybe, maybe that's not huge news. <laughs> To, to any of you it, it, legitimately I'm not just saying this for the purpose of the story it bled it was bleeding I had to I had to go and show my wife and she's like oh you can't afford to lose any more of that I was like hey come on now that's that's such a cheap shot you can't be uh you can't be I'm I'm literally in one of the most vulnerable positions I could ever be I've just been bitten on the knob by my by my one-year-old boy and you've taken this moment not to comfort me, but to uh, remind me of the fact that like every little bit of it's precious. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a, I haven't been bitten much in my life, so it was a bit of a shock to the system. But yeah, the, the post I, I put up, let me see if I can show you, because I, I took a couple of photos, because my little boy was so concerned about it. like despite the fact that it was just two years ago that he did bite me, on the uh, on the end of the knob, he he was very concerned about what was happening. As you can see, that like it's not an overly severe bite, but but people freak out. People are saying get antibiotics, make sure you sanitize it, get a tetanus, and I think it's all. I think it all seems like really good advice. But is tetanus still a thing? I've never met someone who's had tetanus. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sorry to take you down this rabbit hole again because I've already developed the reputation as an anti-vaxxer over the last couple of years. But, um, I mean, the prophecies have come true because now I'm starting to question everything. So I just rinsed it under some water and I, I used betadine, which is something I hadn't used since probably grade two. The The smell of it reminds me of lunch orders, which is funny. Do you ever have that moment where you're, you're in a certain situation, you'll smell something or hear something or taste something and it just takes you straight back? A lot of the time, I um, like jasmine flowers reminds me of walking down my driveway when I was about four years old. I, I smell that. It takes me straight back to that driveway. Yeah, Betadine takes me back to Gray Street Primary School, um, you know, with Sebastian who just scraped his knee again and they had to get some antiseptic on it. And yeah, it was, it was a weird feeling. I, I started to get sentimental about the smell a little bit. But I mean, it seems, I don't want to jinx it, but it seems okay. I got a, it's funny, I got a phone call from uh, from my lovely mum the next day saying, Tice, 
she's called me four times asking how the dog bite's going and it it's making me more nervous i was very relaxed about the fact i, I got bitten by a dog it was a construction worker's dog the construction worker was i actually don't know what the the trade he was doing he looked like he might have been painting or whatever and i was skating along and he goes mate did my did that dog just bite you and it's like when someone jesse gives me a hard time about this because i think sometimes i misread the appropriate way to respond in a different situation like i was I was at a petrol station one day and I had my car parked and I was sitting there and a guy drove in behind me and just banged into the back of my car. And uh, I mean, it genuinely, it didn't bother me that much because it wasn't that good a car. And he got out, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I go, mate, if you knew how little I cared, you wouldn't apologize so much. He's like, do you want my details? And I said, not not really, don't, like, let's just see what happens. And uh, he was looking at me like I was an idiot. And I think that was the appropriate response. I got home and told my wife. And she's like, dude, like, who doesn't know that the appropriate way to respond to this situation is just um, is just to get the details just in case. I think it's in my family a little bit. My um, my legend of an uncle, Uncle Mark, he's coming to have a sleep over here in a couple of, couple of months. Poor bugger borrowed my car and someone just rammed into the back of the car one day. And uh, I think this is where I got it from. The person said, do you accept cash? And he goes, hell yeah, I do. And the car was worth 100 bucks. I think the guy gave him 500. So we got out on top. But I remember people I remember people looking at me going, wait, so you just brush it off. You just get paid cash for the accident. Okay, it's actually a, a decent business idea. I don't know. It's funny the way people operate. I feel like some people are so on the ball with day-to-day things. Like the amount of... I think one thing that happens in our household is admin's a really big stress for me. It can I, it can take me all day to build up the the motivation to to call to to make a booking for accommodation or to like, paperwork is just something I don't do. I used to hear about Bill Burr, who had like five different phone plans in five different countries all around the world whenever he'd go out and and tour for comedy, and my wife would hear that and she'd go, "That's so expensive." I go, "No, it makes sense because imagine trying to call Spain, like I've tried to call Optus here in Australia." And tell them about the problem that I'm having with my phone plan. And it that's an absolute nightmare. The idea of trying to explain that same problem to a person but they're speaking Spanish is even more difficult, I reckon. And so I, I stand with people like Bill Burr in that industry because, um, I mean, people don't take into consideration stress. When you're weighing up like money, I reckon not enough people go, okay, it's this much money, but it's this much stress. They just go, all right, how much money is it? But I feel like asking how much money is uh, something costs, it short changes yourself because then all of a sudden, yeah, sure, you might save a few hundred bucks, but that few hundred bucks is going to cost you, I don't know, two months of life just on stress levels alone. So I say, hey, pay the pay the money. <laughs> you need a balance though, I think. That's why I'm glad I've got Jessie because Jessie's the kind of person that, yeah, she'll... I say stuff the money in all situations. She'll say, Tice, honestly, you're not Kim Kardashian. There's a limited supply of it. You need to be a little bit smart. And I think that's, I was going to say, I think that's why we get on. But the, the truth is, it sounds more like a, a thing that you would clash on. I, I don't know. I don't 100% understand what's going on. But anyway, that's, um, that was my week. That was a, a little treacherous thing. Before it even happened, I remember I was driving. I'm sorry, My hair's stressing me out a little bit. I thought it looked better, and then I sat down, and I, I realized this is what I'm working with. I, I honestly walked from the, – the microphone's not doing any justice. Look at this. You see, I, I put this on this morning. I thought this is a fantastic look for the podcast, and then now all I can see is the fact my my hair's not sitting right. That's another thing I'm honestly not like a very good judge of is, is how good hair – 
hair looks or selfies i often i don't know if you ever have this i'll often look at a photo of myself and i go that's a good photo and i'll show my wife and she go are you kidding and then she'll show me a photo that she thinks i look good and i go i don't understand how anyone can it's just it's very interesting the the perspective that people have it's been interesting this week to hear the perspective of did you hear jetstar uh launched a new ad campaign flying with pride it there seems to be endless amounts of this i I don't really understand why it's such a uh like a huge focus point i've never you know when you go to a cafe and it says gay gay people are welcome here we accept all genders or whatever it's i feel as though the cafes now that don't accept them should have to have the stickers on because i think it's fair to say the general consensus is regardless of your color sexuality whatever it is that you're you're working with you're fairly welcome into every single place i've i've never been to a bar or to a cafe and they say hey before you come in just quick one are you are you a gay man in fairness it's probably i think they just assume it like based on <laughs> based on shirts like this they see me and they go he's a gay man like so i mean my point still stands they let me in i'm still allowed to go in get that long black and a coffee if they have time for it. That's a cheap joke, but it makes me laugh. Anyway, Jetstar, they've they've come out with their flying with pride. They had a um, like a trans woman at the face of it. And they said, hey, we want to stand with the LGBTQ plus community. But it's, I feel as though there's, there's a lot of, they call that virtue signaling, isn't it? It's like where you say the right thing, but you're not necessarily doing the right thing. Like you might say, okay, it's a nice gesture. But when everyone starts doing something, it's no longer just a nice gesture. It's it's just the norm, isn't it? And it'd be nice to see, rather than just have a trans man be the face of the ad, like if they really believe it, I reckon they should get every male pilot to dress up as a trans woman for the month of for the month of January, and then would prove, and that would prove it. I think because people, I know people would have an issue with that. People would go, I don't want no trans woman flying my plane. Do you know? For me, though, I, I personally, I'd be happy to have a trans woman flying the plane. It wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. My only issue would be is if it was a, a real woman flying the plane. <laughs> That's where I've seen you guys drive. It's a nightmare. I remember my, my wife was in Ballarat one year, and I was in the car with her. I have no idea why I let her drive. It makes no sense to me, <laughs> but for whatever reason, I, I let her drive. And uh, it must have been a once-off, and we were approaching this roundabout, and I could see from about 400 metres away that there was a car travelling towards the roundabout from the other side that was it was going to cause a problem. He was going fast. He didn't appear to be watching. So I said to Jessie, babe, watch out. There's a car coming. She goes, don't you what? You think women can't drive? I said, well, I do think that, but it's the wrong time to discuss it because I want you to focus on this because I know you shouldn't be trying to talk and and drive and so we got to the we got to the roundabout i said hey babe just watch because he's going to come through she goes i know but so we entered the roundabout and obviously the guy t-boned us smashed into the front of the bonnet and jesse goes babe i'm so sorry i don't know what happened and i said well god knows what happened he he made you a woman and uh, and that's why i think that's why it says in the old testament that men should drive i'm pretty sure but anyway i say that just to say that uh that that's the reason when I get on a flight, if I see a if I see a beautiful woman who's the pilot, I go, I hope I hope she's just there for for assistance, really. 
I honestly, I feel, I feel that way. unless I see a white man in the uh, in the cockpit, I, I start to get a little bit nervous. Any other, any other color, any other gender, I go, mm, when's the next flight? And I, I've got no, I've got no problem with with black men, Asian men, women. It's just, it's for the same reason. I like my rappers black. Some people are just better at some jobs. And it's not a it's not a racist thing. It's like if you're a betting man, you don't go to a race and you say, "Okay, it's the hundred meters. Should we bet on the white man or the black man?" Because you a hundred percent you bet on you bet on the black man. I've never seen someone go to an athletics track and and see a white guy race a black guy and on the start line them say, "Oh, this should be a good race," <laughs> because it's not. And it's true. People get angry at you when you say that, but stats stats are like look at. Let's go through the record book. Usain Bolt, 100-meter record. Usain Bolt, 200-meter record. Wayne Vanderkirk, 400-meter record. South African dude, probably the lightest of, of them all, but he's, a, he's an African. Uh, 800 meters, David Rudisha. 1,500 meters, Hisham al Garouge, Moroccan. 5,000 meters, uh, Joshua Cheptegui. 10,000 meters, Joshua Cheptegui. Marathon, Kiptum. It just, do you know what I mean? Sometimes stereotypes are there for a reason. It's the reason I won't stand next to a black man at a urinal, not because I don't like him or trust him, but because I just don't need that image, especially when I've got a son who's, you know, trying to deduct what I do have. The women's are the same. Marion Jones got done. Who's the 100-meter record holder? It's that, who is the 100-meter record holder? It's that, I'm blanking on it. That's embarrassing that I've forgotten that. But once again, who cares about women's sports? <laughs> no, that's just, that's just, it's kind of a joke. That's a big joke. It's actually a big joke. I'm only joking. I coach a, I coach a lot of awesome women. It's just, uh, I hope you don't take me seriously with that joke. All right? There's always some truth behind a joke, though, is, is what people say. No, I'm taking the piss. All right, it's just a... You got to be. You can't be too careful. People don't like jokes these days because even even when you justify something like that, people go, "No, but you shouldn't have said it." But I go, "But was it funny?" And they go, "Not, not really." That's. What, I think that's why I like people like Elon Musk. Did you see? I don't even know where it was that he was speaking the other day, but that interview, where I don't know what the interviewer's name was, but he had a he had like an energy that I wasn't a big fan of. He had this energy, came to the interview, and it was. It was almost patronizing. He was speaking down to Elon Musk. And it's it's really interesting to see a bloke who's a journalist and, and, and like undoubtedly like he's obviously done something right to be in a situation where he's getting to ask Elon questions. And the truth is it sounded as though they were they were friends or they'd been friends for a long time, but this guy was talking down to him and he was asking, Hey, because and this is what does my head in. It's the virtue signaling. So you've got, and Elon nailed it. He said, you've got some people who say the right things while doing evil. And you've got other people who appear to say the wrong things while doing good. And the person who says the wrong things but does the good is looked at by the virtue signalers as though they're the, the evil one. And it's just a weird situation to find yourself in where the virtue signals, like the the big, it in what world, like at what time did, corporations become like the moral arbiters of what can be said and what can't be said i've realized i said this to a mate the other day i'm like i i just want to say what i find funny 
if something's funny to me, I just say it. And he goes, yeah, but you have to be careful in Melbourne because if you say jokes that aren't funny in Melbourne, you're not going to get gigs. And this is the exact problem. I reckon you've got to... I, I want to... Here's my new goal. I, I want the, the biggest rooms in Melbourne to question whether or not I'm an appropriate choice for their room based on the fact that they disagree with something I say. Because the best comedians in the world are all the ones that say the things that people are afraid to say. And that's beautiful. I love that. And so maybe you can keep me accountable on that. If I'm up there and I'm not saying the things I'm saying to you here on stage, I'm being a pussy. And so challenge me on that. But the the beauty is, or the challenge is, you've got like you've got two streams of, of comedian. You've got a comedian and they're gonna say the right things because they wanna get like that mainstream television program like the Jimmy Kimmel or um, the, the Letterman style show or they might even resort to something you know, far, far lower on the spectrum, like like the view. Um, and as a result, you have to think the right things. You have to say the right things. You can't say anything positive about Trump. But it's a dishonest conversation either way, isn't it? Like if you're, if you're going to be playing that particular game, you're still not being truthful. You're just saying what you're allowed to say. And I've got no interest in that. I want to. I like people who are a little bit of a mixed bag. Like they'll say something, you go, I agree with that. And then they say something else and you're like, wait, what the heck? You're... That doesn't fit into the category of what you're you're supposed to say, and man, Melbourne Melbourne comedy like there's uh, this is how I would explain it. Ninety nine percent of the people in Melbourne comedy are absolute legends, and then there's I would say it's probably less than one percent who uh, they they might run a room, and as a result of running a room, like a certain amount of power comes with that. And so if you're running a room, it could be a really good room, it could be a really bad room. But you're the you're the the dictator essentially over what kind of comedian you're allowing in there, and there's a little bit of a power trip that comes with that. And so, my I think my message to to that kind of person um, who's going to allow certain kind of comedy is like I that's where I want to get my Elon Musk up and just go fuck man piss off, like don't be <laughs> don't be such a you run a comedy room you pussy. And Jessie said to me the other day, she's like, Melbourne, it's such a, it is actually a very small, as much as I love it. I'm definitely not, I don't mean to sound like I'm slandering any particular, I actually, even as I say this, I don't have a particular person in mind. I just have the stereotype of what Melbourne comedy is. And it's like that woke comedy scene. And if you're, you're woken up, like, anyway, this is what I've been trying to wrap my head around. You can go one particular route and you end up on the project here in Australia, which is a low rating shit TV show. But for whatever reason, because it's on TV and we're still like leaving that world of, okay, TV's where the big power is to, okay, like independent creators is actually where the, the, the real numbers are. There's still a part of our brain that goes, oh, it must be good. He's on TV. But the TV show, show is shit. It's a woke organization that have things like NAM instead of Melbourne as the name of the city when they're doing a guest interview. And that's the kind of people I just, I don't want to go down that route because that's not funny. I've never actually, I've never really seen a comedian on a platform like that and go, they're quite funny because you know they're constantly biting their tongue. And my personal favorite kind of comedians are the one who don't bite their tongue. They've just got a controversial topic and they say it, even though even though that less than 1% who has the power to give them a gig or not will be mad at them and might not give them a gig. If you get to a certain point, if you get to a particular point in um, in your comedy, I mean, you've got a little bit more freedom. And even if you get banned here in Melbourne, who gives a shit? Like, it's a big world. 
I remember coming back from London to to Melbourne and being like, Melbourne is a tiny little city. It tripped me out. I was like, oh, this is a country town. But when you're in it, it feels like the biggest thing, doesn't it? And so you think, okay, I don't want to stuff up here. This is why I love Matt Reif at the moment. Like he's a gorgeous comedian who also is funny. Um, like I just, I'm so inspired by these kind of people who they they say the things that mainstream media don't want you to say. It just gets me excited. Anyway, I actually haven't watched a lot of Matt Reif, but just since I heard him on Jordan Peterson's podcast the other day, I go, you know what? I like this guy. Anyone who's got the balls to say something that they find funny and can do it, and he's quick, he's funny. It's just a. It's interesting when you get when you get big enough. A lot of the time, I feel as though you only hear the negative outlook on a particular person. But Matt Rife is, um, I mean, sure, there's certain people who are out there talking bad about him. But man, I think he sold six hundred thousand tickets in forty eight minutes. I mean, so if if you don't like him, that's fine. But he doesn't give a shit. Well, he shouldn't. Because he's funny and he's gorgeous and he's muscly. And he's selling 600,000 tickets in 48 minutes. And um, I don't, I'm not 100% sure how we got to this point in the, in the podcast. But, uh, but here we are. Wait, let me take a little pivot. I, I started, I caught up with a, a friend a couple of weeks ago. Very weird. I, I give off an interesting vibe to people. I'm, I'm quite interested. I'm very interested in health. Um, I was talking to this guy, and uh, as we're about to leave his house, so we're there with his wife, his two kids, and himself. And before we left, he said, "Here, I'll wrap you. I'll roll you a couple of joints." And I said, uh, <laughs> "Like, what is it? People are always giving me mushrooms and joints, and man, it's. Uh, I mean, I appreciate. It. I don't know what vibe I'm giving off, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's a. It's a strong enough vibe that suggests I smoke." I smoke weed. Obviously, I turned him down. Not interested in that kind of behavior. I think it's still illegal here in Australia as well, technically, which is, it's something like, it's frowned upon, isn't it now? It's it's not necessarily illegal because everyone at comedy smokes it. It's actually a booming business in the world of comedy, I've realized. I mean, you don't have to spend long in the comedy scene to realize how many people smoke it to make you realize, oh, maybe it's maybe it's not a, a good idea. All these drug-fucked people getting up, trying to tell jokes, smoking joints. You go, ah, okay, not everyone functions as well as Joe Rogan when they smoke weed. Anyway, what else? I, had, I had a few things written down here. The Killing of a Sacred Deer is the movie that I watched last night. It's uh, I'm, I'm only halfway through it, but man, I love it. Ah, oh, that's why I was telling you that. So this bloke who who offered me the joints, he is like a real movie buff, and he, he gave me like 20 of his favorite movies of all time, and this one was, was on the list, and I was like, I'll check this out. Oh, bro, I'm so excited to go back and watch it later. The only reason I put it away is because I knew I was going to be up early with the kids this morning. I was halfway through. It was 11 o'clock. I thought, all right, I'm going to have to hit pause. But it's one of those ones that's just got me pumped. Very, very strange. If you're looking for a good movie, I like it. I also have a reputation. I might have told you this before. I've got a reputation for recommending movies that people aren't necessarily super into um, or that are weird. So, yeah, no, this this is a weird movie. Actually, Jessie got home. She was out for dinner with friends last night. And she got home. She goes, this is a, I don't think I like this. I can hear it. I'm not interested. I go, hey, rewind it when I'm not home. Watch it from the start. And tell me, tell me if you watch it from the start that you don't like it. You will, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that story, but I just wanted to tell you that's something that I'm watching. What else? I watched. Um, I watched the Taxi Driver a few weeks ago. I'm going through a phase where I'm trying to go through like classic old movies, and also with books a little bit. 
Um, I'm like a record collector with books. I think I, I'm a way slower reader than I am purchaser of books. I, like I actually don't read that many hard copy ones. Like I listen to listen to them mostly on Audible now. I think it's just more of a time thing. I don't really, with kids especially, I, I never really find myself in a position where I'm like, hey, I've got an hour to sit down and read a book. But I'm always in the car, so audio book seems to work really well. But I reckon I look at books the way record collectors look at records. It's, there's something cool about holding it, something cool about having it on the shelf. And I'm, man, I'm just going through a new phase. I've gone through op shops and, uh, and and trying to find books that I like recently. So I've got a. This is purely aesthetic. This this bookshelf in the background here is is one just so it's not a blank wall that you're looking at. But I've got the camera strategically placed because we've got a bookshelf out in the uh, like the back lounge room. And most of our books are out there. So the bottom shelf here is empty, but I can't be given off the illusion that I've only, I'm only like a two thirds of a bookshelf kind of man. And so I've, I've got the camera set just above where the rest of the books would be. But truth be told, that's an empty bookshelf down the very bottom there. Um, but the way that I'm going recently with a couple more savers visits and a couple of more op shop visits, I'm uh, I'm definitely gonna be I'm definitely gonna be filling that up. There's something cool, there's something good about that. I I anyway, I was gonna tell you, you you sound like a wanker if you're not careful, I think. I when people start critiquing books and start critiquing movies, you you're walking a fine line between sounding like a wanker. And so I'm not convinced I'm in any position to to break down the structure of books but i can talk to you about the cover and how much i like them <laughs> and so that's one thing that i appreciate but i also i like the idea of sitting down with my boy when he's older and just walking him through some classic books like building his confidence in that area i'm going to take him through this initiation process from like the age of 13 to 18 and one part of that is going through a whole heap of classic books like i bought him i bought him huckleberry finn the other day check this one I got him a, yeah, Huckleberry Finn just at an op shop the other day, and he's so pumped. I said, "Mate, this one's for when you're older." He walks around his, he walks around the house with this book. He's like, he just goes to the one picture on the page. He's like, "Hey, Dad, when I'm older, we'll read Huckleberry Finn." I go, "Buddy, yeah, you know it, you know we will." And so, like, getting him excited about that. I like the idea of my boy being excited about a good book, or, and I also like the idea that he can go into a conversation with kids at school and be like, dude, you haven't read Huckleberry Finn? Like, what are you doing? Like, we're seven, man. You should have read Huckleberry Finn by now. But anyway, I mean, you've got to be careful not to turn into a dictator as a parent. Because I, I'm really interested in helping my kid flourish in areas that I wish I had a little more guidance. I had the best parents, but I mean, you look back and you go, all right, I reckon there could have been a little bit more direction on this particular area or that particular area. And as a result, uh, you, you take those lessons and you apply it to your kids. Surely that's just like what happens to every single parent. But you've got to be careful not to turn into that dictator because otherwise you're, you're at the kids' basketball game and the ref starts giving you red cards. Have you ever been to those games? I remember in uh, Justin Wood's dad from Whitford's back in like 1998, he was a passionate dad. I remember one day the umpire walked over to him and gave him the red card and he's like, I don't, no one knows what that means, what happens? He's like, well, you have to go sit in your car for five minutes or something. And so you've got to be careful not to turn into that dad, but you want the best, so it's a tight balance. But anyway, let's suss that out. I'm getting back out into the comedy scene tonight here in Geelong, going down and uh, I'm, I'm working on crowd work a little bit. I find that a lot of fun. Um, I've got to keep writing good jokes, but also there's something really fun about getting up in front of an audience and, and just riffing with them a little bit. Um, I mean, it's not always fun if the conversation doesn't go well and there's not much to riff on. But, I mean, you've always got your jokes to back you up on, hopefully. 
so that should be fun but hey that's enough for me for for today i hope you guys have a uh, a great weekend and i will be back here again i'm guessing i reckon we have an interview again next week i've got a couple lined up a couple a couple of real good ones so that's coming your way but for now hey have a great weekend and uh, and i'll see you all here next week <laughs>